I've been slacking in class for about three and a half years now. I suppose you could call me an early adopter, though when I first started using it, I wasn't even faculty yet. That came shortly after, and I immediately saw the potential for use in my classes. A few years later, a couple title changes and a finished PhD, and I'm still happily slacking every day. Today on The New Professor, we're looking at moving your boring old email and discussion forums into the 21st century. With the cloud-based set of team collaboration tools and services known as Slack. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. So a little history first. Like I said before, I started using Slack back when I was heavily into Ingress, an augmented reality grandfather to Pokemon Go. It was our local team's means of communicating and organizing. It also worked really, really well. So as I began transitioning into my role as faculty, I realized the cliche lamentations of professors about their inboxes were actually based in reality. It occurred to me that there might be a solution to this problem. That solution, I thought, might, unironically, be referred to as the email killer. Enter Slack into my classroom. I should mention here quickly that while I chose Slack, the vast majority of what I'm talking about in this episode could be applied to Discord or even Microsoft Teams. Maybe. Anyway, just wanted to mention that real quick. Now remember, I teach fully online in a fully online program. We have no physical class meetings, and students are neither expected to nor expect to meet up in the library for a study session. The distance and right place, right time aspect of an online program is truly a double-edged sword. See, I remember thinking while looking at our class discussions being had in essentially the same forum format that had been used in bulletin board systems in the early 90s, I thought, there has to be a better way of doing this. See, I began getting more interested in how to develop a sense of community among students who only see usernames and empty profile pictures in a learning management system. I mean, sure, you can require them to add a photo and enter their full names, but there's just something about an LMS that can never really get over that hump of feeling stinted. And as I've mentioned before, or maybe, I can't really remember, I might have been in a class and not in an episode, most LMSs are really much better at managing the administrative side of school than supporting the pedagogical side. They're about making sure 
enrollments are correct and records of student work are available. As far as the human interaction portion of it, they are typically woefully underwhelming. So, enter Slack. There was some pushback at first. I heard from a couple students, so this is another account we have to use? And at the time, that was a fair concern. We've since remedied this, but that's more a coincidence of Slack's single sign-on option and our students' access to Google Apps for Education. But anyway. I kind of fumbled around for the first couple semesters, trying to figure out exactly how to best make this thing work. I could see it in my head. I knew what I wanted it to look like. And I mean, sure, there were theoretical frameworks to base some general direction on, but to my knowledge at the time, nobody had published their tips and tricks or best practices for using Slack in an online college class. It just hadn't been around long enough, and even the frameworks, the Community of Inquiry framework, for example, wasn't quite up to the task in terms of specifics. Though, to be fair, the COI is what ended up being the driving force behind a lot of my decisions. Fast forward a couple years of using and learning about Slack, getting overwhelmingly positive feedback from my students, though not unanimous, but really nothing ever is, I started running into some roadblocks. The biggest one being, what happens when I get a very talkative group of students and our discussions within the class team, at the time I was using a different Slack team for each class each semester, what happens when they go over the 10,000 message limit for free teams? I had just squeaked under that one semester, and I was afraid that the next time I wouldn't be so lucky. Granted, my classes are pretty small, usually about 20 students, so 10,000 messages with 20 students, I could handle that, but my classes have grown. So I decided to do what every professor does when faced with an issue of wanting something and needing to pay for it. I begged. Well, that didn't work, so a colleague and I wrote a grant to pay for a campus-wide Slack team where all the faculty and all the students could use it and benefit from the paid tier features, one of those being the removal of the 10,000 message limit. Since I started using Slack, just my own private teams and the campus team combined have shared over 100 thousand messages. Other faculty that have also used it privately, like I started doing, that now have come over to the main campus team would bump that number up even more. Now that might not seem like a lot to some of the larger social Slack teams or larger enterprise Slack teams, but remember we are small and this is still new but it has become the digital hub for the student community and continues to grow as such. In my new position as faculty fellow, I hope to leverage it even more. And as the number of faculty, staff, and students that use it grows, it helps our campus community to grow even closer. 
But Ryan, I hear you asking, you're complaining that you didn't have any specifics on how to do this, and now you are not giving us any specifics. And that's fair. So here are a few best practices that I personally have settled on after much trial and error and feedback from other faculty and students. First, show, don't tell. And yes, I do understand the irony of this in a purely audio podcast, but you will invariably have students for whom this is their first time using Slack. In concert with good basic design choices, don't just describe in text-based instructions what you expect from students and how they should use the service. Use screenshots, make a screencast, Use links to Slack's help center whenever you mention something. If you say, write a post, then link them to the Slack help page on post creation and editing, just for example. If a student is having a difficult time with the interface, consider starting a video chat session with them and then walk them through either your or their actual screens. Often an introductory video will take care of this, but remember, those kinds of tutorials are obsolete almost immediately after being made, as these online interfaces and instructions can change rapidly. So again, it may be worth simply including a screen share in your first class meeting, where you walk through the very team they're using, demonstrating how to switch between channels, how to send a direct message, how to share a file, that sort of thing. One little trick I have, one of the week one assignments that I always use in my classes is an introduction post. These steps from beginning to end are, first, they have to sign up for the team if they haven't done it already. Second, they need to send me a direct message and request to be added to our private class channels. This ensures they know how to send a direct message and understand the difference between public and private channels. Third, they then make a post. Remember what I said about posts earlier? That's formatted with headers and lists. All of these things together ensure they've got the basics down before we jump into our actual work. Next, pick a naming convention early and stick to it. Remember how I've mentioned before that I'm a big fan of future-proofing? Well, this fits in with that. Basically, if you're teaching Math 101, you should probably name your main class channel Math 101. Subchannels should also start with Math 101 and end with a dash or underscore followed by whatever the topic of that subchannel is, Module 3, Project 1, Social, whatever. At the end of the semester, simply rename the channels from Math 101 to Math 101 Fall 17 or whatever convention you prefer. Then archive them. This keeps them nice and tidy in the archive list and easy to find when everyone's using the same convention. Also, students will know immediately how this works if it's consistent. Now, as far as the future proofing goes, that leads us to the next part. Integrate, integrate, integrate. I'll give you some examples of what I mean. First, with that future proofing. So I use that Math 101 name and convention for all of my classes. I also link to specific channels from within the LMS and from other locations. 
from semester to semester, those links don't change. It's always Math 101, for example. So when I do the channel rename and archive that I was just talking about, when the next semester rolls around, I just recreate that Math 101 channel and voila, all the links and all of my assignments and LMS pages are still valid for that new class. But students in the previous class can't access that one any longer, though their version of the class channels are now archived and still available. Speaking of integrating with the LMS, I do two main integrations that aren't really integrations, more like redundancies, but not in a bad way. First, the announcements feed. Now you might know this by some other name, but announcements are those in-your-face messages on the front page of every LMS class that also, when published, send an email to the students with the content. In desire to learn or D2L, these announcements also produce an RSS feed. And it's easy to just copy that feed and stick it in your main class channel. So whenever an announcement is posted, it also shares the content there. This makes sure that any important news shared in the LMS is also included where all of the other communication is held within Slack. Second, the calendar. Again, in D2L, due dates and events are kept in a local calendar, but you can quote-unquote subscribe to this calendar as it produces an iCal, a kind of calendar that you can subscribe to from Google Calendar or Outlook. Now, Slack doesn't have a native iCal integration as far as I know, so I have a little workaround. I will subscribe to my classes, yes, all of them separately, all of my classes' calendars in my Google Calendar as the Add Calendar by URL option. As my Google Calendar is now connected to Slack via the Google Calendar integration, I can then bring in notifications, reminders, and weekly digests from individual calendars into individual channels. So hey presto, my students now get weekly and daily reminders of events and due dates, and if any date is changed, that shows up too. Now there are a lot more integrations with Slack, but in terms of connecting the Slack team to the LMS without actually having someone there to do any coding, these are the low-hanging fruit. Fourth, demonstrate your expectations. Basically, you know, be the change you want to see. I personally like to keep my Slack channels pretty informal. I use the Giphy integration and I encourage students to do the same while keeping it collegial and respectful, of course. Naturally, I remind them that the work they turn in and submit for a grade should be utterly professional, but if they feel their message in a discussion in Slack could benefit from some emojis to convey a more nuanced meaning, and let's be frank, whose couldn't, I fully encourage them to do so. Students aren't always going to necessarily jump in and become Slack communicating experts if you're just sitting back and watching. Which brings us to the last tip. Presence is key. So be there. One of the things students keep telling me that pops up from class to class, semester to semester, is this. They really love the fact that seeing the little green dot next to my name on Slack is the equivalent of 
walking into a department's hallway and seeing their professor's door open. They can just pop their head in and say, hey, you got a minute to talk? And of course I always do. So are you interested in using Slack in your classes? It's not just for online programs, too. It can be used as a great back channel for traditional programs. It could even be used as a virtual recitation location for standard labs. See, Slack is not really meant to be anything more than an avenue to improve upon and support the communication and collaboration you either likely already are or should be doing. So if you tried Slack or you want to, I'd love to hear from you. Did it work? Why did it work? Why didn't it? So feel free to hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever else you can find the new professor. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again in two weeks.